In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody on a Friday. Casual Friday. A chilly cook-off in the break room kind of Friday. Good to have you with us. Lots to follow up on just on the uh, Seth update alone. I uh, They used to, in olden times, Brian, have these things that um, you subscribe to them. They were dropped off at your door in the morning, and you would take them and read. You'd Go on. Ta- tangibly read. Someone called a paper. It was printed. What they print? What they put it on? Well, they they would print it on this these big sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. They would then fold that up, roll it up, sometimes put it in a plastic bag. It would be on your doorstep in the morning. Every day, you say. Yeah. And of late, I haven't really been in the habit of reading you know, a newspaper. So I uh, got the ears lowered today, stopped by a uh, sandwich shop that is kind of part and parcel of the uh, haircut experience. They had in there a newspaper. And the thing with the newspaper is you inevitably come across things that you wouldn't click on, right? You could just see things. That is true. So I was skimming the American Hockey League standings. As one does. I was Get just, all up in the agate. Yeah, just kind of curious. Where, where are the crunch? And then you see the Comets 7-0-0. Yeah. The, you, you, got, you got the O's there. That's yeah. shocking. Yeah, that's uh, – I don't care who you are. You – Legitimately win your first seven games in hockey, especially at a minor a phenomenal league level. Start <laughs> right. Well, sometimes in the minor league level, you can have a l- older roster, more experience, just play together, be appreciably events. better, especially in the AHL. Yeah, better construction uh, than the other team. You can have that in baseball too. It's just that in baseball, let's put it this way: in hockey, the better team wins more often than in baseball. In baseball, even the not so great teams win their share. The best teams only win 65% uh, of the time, maybe 70% of the time. Uh, would be tremendous in baseball. So, But at any rate, what a great start it is for uh, for Utica. And then Toronto's behind. And that's what's c- kind of cool about the way some of these minor leagues are constructed right now. The American Hockey League has Utica, Hershey, Binghamton, Scranton, <laughs> Rochester. But then it has you know Toronto. Toronto likes hockey yeah. so much. They're yeah. like, we got the major league team yeah. and some other guys. Yeah. We yeah. and they attend both. You were asking if Utica was home tomorrow night. Yes. Matt, uh, they are. They're hosting Rochester tomorrow. Well, you so throw the, out the, the rivals to the east and the west of the crunch will be going at it tomorrow night in okay. Utica. Okay. Very cool. Seven uh, o'clock puck drop. Okay. I've heard it's a good time there. I, I'm I'm overdue to uh, to get to a game, so we may have to check that out. So that was one of the leftover items in, in uh, Seth's update. The other, you recall early in the year, Seth, it was the game of the week, and Seth called uh, Oneida when they went to Bear Country to take on Chit, and, and it did, did not go well for the Bears. And now I don't feel so bad about that. Oneida's had a hell of a year. They're 8-0. So Oneida and Utica, both 8-0 yeah. in their respective 
Sports. It's it's playoff time. High school right. football. And then last here. night, the football sectional teams that, championships in the dome next weekend. That's right. Football teams that went in unbeaten remained unbeaten. Uh, Niners still undefeated as they uh, escaped by a field goal, and uh, Baylor did as well. Jimmy so G eight and zero. Niners beat the Cardinals, and uh, Chandler Jones, by the way, had a great sack of, uh, of Jimmy G. <laughs> he was just sort of on his back, him down <laughs> until they fell over. <laughs> And then um, you can almost that, see Chandler thinking, oh, "It's like if I do any more, I'm going to get a penalty. I'm just going to sit here until right. he falls over." Right. And then um, Baylor beat West Virginia by a field goal last night at home on a Thursday night. So Baylor's actually getting to the point where it Are plays they over legitimate teams, now? but uh, yeah, they, <laughs> they don't use that expression, I don't think. But uh, if they want it from Chittenango. That's right. They they can uh, have claim to it, but uh, so good for them. So those are the the handful of. Um, Undefeated teams left. It's those two and what SMU and the Patriots. SMU's in the big um, ABC Saturday night game this week. And did you see? I think I sent you the the tweet about it. Did you see what Memphis is doing as a community? You know, Memphis likes to party. They're kind I of mean, like Beale Street, New Orleans Junior is getting into it. Yeah. So with game day coming in, all of the Beale Street establishments and in and around that area, of which there are many. Yes, although Beale Street. It's funny here if you have, if you're connected to Syracuse, you have this admiration for and a romance related to Marshall Street, right? But if you've actually been here, you know Marshall Street is one block; it's 150 yards, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> and it's not what it used to be, and and what have you. Beale Street basically is two blocks. I mean, when you're there, it's like, well, this is this is all they're they're talking about. Um, for that matter, Bourbon Street. These these popular kind of when, when you're when you're actually sort of there, you're like, oh, okay, well, what they really mean is the greater kind of area because that area. Yeah, itself when you're walking is, down Bourbon Street, it can it no, can feel fun. like it never ends. No, for it's a blast. Reasons. It's a blast. Don't don't get me wrong, but Beale Street, as I visualize it, having been there a couple of times, is you know two or three blocks. Very cool. Got the music, the libations, the establishments, the all kinds of different things there. A couple of fun places to eat. And um, anyway, what I was getting at is their community really embraced game day coming with uh, all kinds of food and drink specials and bars opening early. And and uh, looks like they will uh, will really enjoy it. And someday that will happen here, but uh, not right now. Yeah, looks like it's going to be a cool week. And and so often it's. Game day and the game of the week and whatever, it's rotating between the same group of teams, certainly the same group of conferences. So this is a whole new Memphis SMU is one of the big games of the week. Obviously, there's the, the cocktail party, Florida mm-hmm. and Georgia this weekend. Then, okay, what's the other big game of the week? It's Memphis SMU. And that there always seems to be one game like this. Like the It's this week every year. You get to the beginning of November. There's a bunch of SEC teams on buys getting ready for, you know, LSU, Alabama. It's almost always this week because that game's always next week. Right. And there's a spot kind of open for something to happen, and it's always interesting to see who's going to make it happen. And this year, uh, Dallas's college football team. And <laughs> That's right. You got da- Dallas to, right there on yeah. the jersey uh, starting this year. show is brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. We'll get into the Orange in Boston College, which is a noon start tomorrow. We'll visit with our BC counterpart and friend, John Mita Perel, uh, coming up in a few moments, but Brian wanted to start with a little Halloween mm-hmm. recap. recap. We set the stage yesterday about the game plan. Uh, I told you I wasn't going to be home. Turned out that I was not home. We had the Coach Babers uh, radio show, and uh, we were otherwise occupied downtown. We had 
dinner with our friend Wes Durham at a uh, popular downtown spot that we could park here at the radio station and walk to. And never has the idea of dessert felt like less of a good idea. Like, you, you know me, I like my dessert, but on a Halloween night when you know you're Halloween, you've the had dessert plenty is already, baked into Halloween. Yeah, just for, just we don't need need baked dessert. in is even the wrong term. You don't need no. to bake on Halloween. No. So anyway, how did it go at the Higgins household? Uh, well, obviously, due to the weather, uh, foot traffic was slightly down from a year ago, uh, due to both the forecast of impending weather and then at almost it was raining and then at seven o'clock on the dot, like the apocalypse happened outside and it was just pouring. So you know we've got the kids coming in, coming, going, candies. Going out, there was one little boy who I was trying to figure out what he was dressed as. He was dressed as a superhero of some sort. Oh, what are you? Or who are you, Caleb? <laughs> so that was fun. Go you know, Caleb. going on. So now, now I believe next year your costume needs to be Caleb. Caleb, I'm, who are you? I'm Caleb. Uh, that's like back in the office days where every year Jim Halpert had just a re- just he didn't want to do it. So one year he just wore a name tag sticker and who are you? I'm Dave. <laughs> that was his whole costume. You're not Dave. Uh, okay. But so rain comes, obviously now trick-or-treat. We see a lot of people that we're probably going to hit. I could see the kids going up the route on the opposite side of the street. We think they're coming back on our side. We'll get them later. Rain comes. You see them all sprinting past, going home. So there's not as many people out on the street now. So now when the doorbell rings, you know you've got more candy at your disposal. You're starting to up the output. So people that stuck it out in the rain later in the night, well, give them a little benefit, maybe an extra bar. So now I forget that this was. It was one of the last few times the doorbell rang in the night. How many total rings? I don't. I don't know the total rings. I'm over gonna, under twenty of actual rings. Probably over. I'm going to guess last night there was in the range of fifty to oh wow seventy kids. Last night Christina told, or last year Christina said the number was north of two hundred. Wow! Like this is a neighborhood people come. Like, it's a big enough neighborhood. We've only been there a little more than a year. I don't know everybody. The houses are close together. The houses are close together. You can hit them foot traffic real quick, and there are definite cars parked in the neighborhood that don't live there. So there's people coming from who knows where. Infiltrators. Infiltrators to get our candy. But the whole point of having the candy is to give at least most of it away. I mean, you, you got to... we set it. some ground rules? Shouldn't you kind of have to know somebody in the neighborhood? Well, that's what I was I thinking. I mean, if you're just I'm, driving to where there's a lot of houses, that's, that's cheating I, I always think it's fair game to... Maybe you don't live in a great trick-or-treating neighborhood, but your friend does. You go to your friend's house, you go with them. My play, I, I mean, I grew up in the boonies. That's fine. We went to our cousin's house in Liverpool, at least, but we were spending the night. And- no, that's like the clearly one of the houses across the street. They had a bunch of cars parked at their house, but I could see them all. They masked up, and they went out as a group, but that house, they got two or three little kids. That's fair play. That's those. These are not the people to which I refer. So late in the night, or late in the trick-or-treating night. It got late early with trick-or-treating last night. It all kind of wrapped up by about 7 due to the 7.30 at the latest due to the weather. Doorbell rings. There's two kids immediately at the door. Dad, a third kid, straggling up the driveway. And these kids have legitimately pillowcase-sized bags, but instead of the pillowcase, it's a clear bag. So I can... I mean, they could get in the dome with it. Well, no, this bag would have been too large to get in the dome with a clear bag policy. I can see how much candy these kids have already accrued and... It would have caused diabetic shock. <laughs> but okay, these kids, I mean, it's raining out. These kids are putting the legwork good for them. In it to win it. So give them the candy. Give them the candy. Dad says, I got another one down here in in a wagon. Can I get some for him? Now, I don't see a wagon down there, but sure thing. <laughs> Maybe it's just behind. It's dark. I don't know. Whatever. Time out. Yeah. Because I know you're building here. 
if the, the and this kid is, was young enough to be in the wagon, the wagon was unattended? And the wagon well, maybe mom way. was down to the... I don't know. I didn't see the wagon to begin with. I'm assuming someplace there was a wagon with a kid that was being properly tended to. That's not even point of the story, but just a little color for you. So while the third kid... Now, I don't know if they're all this guy's kids or whatnot, but they all have the same bag, style of bag, that is just, my God, the amount of candy. It was a... Like you know, you buy the you buy the variety pack. We've got we get the Costco variety bag. Yeah. It's got like two hundred pieces yeah. in there, all chocolate related in some way. And I'm thinking about okay, I know the size of that bag, and that was like two hundred pieces of candy. These kids must have at least twice that each. So I'm guessing. I mean, it's shocking amounts of candy. And you wonder why people hand out toothbrushes, right? <laughs> so thir- while the third kid, now I'm holding the basket. Of which has the variety. You allow the pick, or are you going in for the little grab and drop? Uh, I am. I am distributing. Yeah, I am distributing. I think that's part of it too. I think it's homeowner's choice. Yeah. Now, I, I either way is fine. I did shuffle the stuff that neither of us really wanted to the top, so that went out first. But I know other people like these things a lot, so I think that that could have worked out for all involved. Should point out that Stephen North Syracuse uh, shared his strategy last night. Uh, he likes Mr. Goodbar, so he puts that on the bottom and covers it with the other stuff. Yeah, was I sort of doing that? Absolutely. Gotcha. But we're at the point where, you know, we also cracked open the bag on Monday, so I've had my fair share at this point. So all's fair here. But Dad can see the basket, and you can sort of see everything arranged in the basket. Uh, as I had, I don't think I talked about this on the air, but I had a conversation with you at some point a few weeks ago about how last year this bag had the 100 grand bar in it. And I just really hadn't been historically familiar with the 100 grand bar, and it's like, a Nestle Crunch in a Milky Way had a delicious candy baby. I mean, what? it's crunchy, it's caramel, it's delightful. It's mm-hmm. what a product. So this guy, dad, of kids that have more candy than could ever possibly be consumed, hopefully, spies the 100 grand bar and says something to the effect of, wow, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Can I have it? Well, I don't want to be the rude homeowner on the block. So I, who have already handed out candy to his kids and the kid Anybody else there, Bob? The kid that's probably down the street. Dad asked for candy for himself. So I give, the hundred, I give him the hundred grand bar. Now, neither here nor there. Once I close the door, I look down to the basket and realize it was the last hundred mm. grand bar we had. So if I had been planning on... Having one later, that's now out the window. Now, had I had one earlier? Yes. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. This guy doesn't know how much candy I've already eaten that evening. Which led to my Twitter poll earlier today inquiring, is it acceptable for the parent of a trick-or-treater to request a specific candy for themselves? I don't like it. I, I Certainly my vote in this would be no I would cut him the slightest bit of slack, given that you know you're out. It's late. I'd say it was rare. Raining, uh, you know they, you're gonna claim it's a rare candy, whatever. But you already made. Listen, you don't get special requests. This is nights about the kids. The parents are there to keep it safe. You've already requested one for you know Eddie at the end of the uh, driveway. Well, I'm still not sure it was there. I'm just gonna assume that was telling the truth, but I didn't see a wagon. Now you can't. It was dark. I mean, we're not getting like, oh, could we get a to-go box? Some for next week? Yeah. Not, none of that stuff. That's not not what we're doing here. I just, I mean, now our parents on Halloween gonna end up with plenty of candy. Absolutely. We talked to Adam yesterday about the parental tax on the candy, which probably generally happens after the kids are asleep and they got no idea what's going on. And based on the amount of candy that his kids had, 
he could have had candy for a year without the kids noticing it was missing. I mean, there was, I'd never seen so much candy. I'm like, these kids are really putting in some work tonight. They have gotten after. Well, and they, the dad is setting the tone by asking for a lot of extra stuff. What about the places where you, as a kid, are allowed to reach in and grab? Who's to say they were grabbing a tasteful amount? Right. You know, I think they were really maximizing their candy accumulation. No, I was I was in charge of the distribute distribution and as you should be. And you know, I just you, that's just how Halloween. Now at, at places when I was trick or treat, hey, take two. Okay, I'll take two. We'll get uh, we'll get me to Perel to so, chime in on that. So like uh, please please get onto my Twitter if you'd like to vote. I'll tell you the results right now at Brian Higgins SU. Ask this question right now. No is leading the poll with seventy three percent, which means twenty seven percent of the people out there think it's okay for the parent to be like, I could get it on this candy game. <laughs> right. That perplexes like. You're the parents on Halloween. You've bought candy for your house, and there's candy abounds. And and I would like to know, of those 27%, and if you're in that 27%, give us a call, 315-437-7644. We only want to hear from Matt, because everybody else, I know what you're thinking. Right. If you think it's cool for that request to be made, is it because it was a rare, specific thing? Because he he didn't say, I want some candy. He said, oh, 100 grand, I want that one. Would you think it's okay if the dad said, hey, mind if I... Get a grab bag, right? Because I, I just, nobody can think that's okay. I'm just, I mean, Halloween. I realize adults dressed. There was a lot of parents that were, that were dressed up. One dad was in legitimately a full Cookie Monster costume. I like that. And I, if I had cookies at the hand, I would have given him some cookies just for the, for the sake of a joke. But and that one, uh, that one threw me for the loop. The guy being like, "Yeah, I want that specific piece of candy that I can see in the basket that you inside your house." currently are holding on this holiday that, at least in my mind, is for the kids to go get some candy. And then the other thing, you know, again, not to make this the whole show, but we've done it before and we could <laughs> if if you know that it's the person's last hundred grand, you just can't take it. Now, I'll give him credit. The way the basket I d I don't think he could have known that. Uh my my wife has texted in right now and said I didn't actually observe this part. Apparently he ate it while standing on the steps. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's doing that trick at every, he every also, house. He also didn't say thank you, which so there, there was a lot going on. That's unbelievable. The main thing, I have no idea. I don't know if he lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> so he didn't exactly savor it. And here's the other thing. And out of the three kids he brought with him, I think I got a thank you from one of the three. Okay, I'm here. So to, it's not a great ratio for all of them. I'm here to tell and you. I'm too, telling you, he didn't need the candy. It's it's oh stop. It's twenty. So he didn't even have to go there. It's, I saved it for life. It's 2019. You pretty much can get anything you want yeah, delivered to your house within the week. Hundred grand bar is not that rare. Okay, I mean, like I don't. It's there. They're at any I'm grocery store, convenience store, gas station. Store, you're you gonna find one. it. Even if they weren't, you could get a whole case of hundred grand bars at your house by Saturday with two clicks. I'm gonna bet if he just waited till he got home. He could have had a hundred right, grand yeah. bar. Yeah, there's no question. The amount of candy these kids had, it well, had to be there somewhere. the grab bag that you bought, other people bought, the kids got lots. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it. we didn't buy a rare grab All right. bag. All right, we got to get to the phone. Somebody's chiming in on the phone. We'll get uh, their thoughts, but we got to get to John Mita Perel. We'll do that next. This is how we make our living, people. This is how we get the candy to give out. We're in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company on ESPN Radio. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. We're fortunate that our friend uh, John Mita Perel from Boston College is a uh, flexible. Understands our candy conundrum. 
flexible and understanding sort. So uh, we're going to get him on and get him to weigh in on this. But uh, we did have some caller reaction to Brian's Twitter poll. Uh, long story short, Brian's going through the candy passing out on Halloween. And near the end, a parent comes uh, asking for the candy. Brian says, hey, is that kosher or not? And right now it's trending that three quarters say no, one quarter say yes. We were looking for a representative. So rare I'm on the right side of history. Thank goodness my <laughs> poll agrees with me. Yeah, looking for a representative of uh, that uh, 25 or so percent that uh, feels like, yeah, absolutely. The parent, and, call, and not just asking for any candy, but specifically calling his shot for the 100 grand bar. Stephen Lafayette wanted to uh, chime in on the show. Hello, Steve. Yeah, so first off, uh, $100,000 bar. There, the only thing better is he far, so good for that dad. Okay. And number two, anybody who was out last night deserves to get as much of whatever they can get because it was miserable. I'll say this. That is, that's the only defense for that that I can come up with. Yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go ask you. Uh, okay. Steve, okay, so Steve, I'd say thank that's you. the only defense. I mean, and this was after the nonsense rain had come through. So that means based on the amount of candy the kids had, they were still out the whole time through just the the worst of it. So okay. that, that's really the only defense I could make. But the dad was not like, hey, I'm I'm soaking wet. Can I <laughs> some candy would really make this yeah. make this better. Well, I think obviously the whole ordeal is is tough on parents uh, to begin with. And trying to fit umbre- uh, kids with the umbrellas open in the door out yeah, to get the umbrella yeah. around, it was a little tricky maneuver on the porch last night. Yeah. Huh. So there's that. Let's go to uh, Dan on the phone up next. Hello, Dan. Hey, what's going on, guys? What do you got? Well, I don't know how I feel about the parents uh, sniping for the good candy, but uh, I just want to give a shout-out because I always go trick-or-treating, dress up with my daughter, do the whole shebang. I want to give a big shout-out to the people out there who have the beers on hand to hand out to the dads out there trick-or-treating with their kids. Oh, whoa, whoa. So, Oh, that's next level. <laughs> so I saw wait a some minute. parents with the beers, and I appreciated that. It did not occur to me to hand out the beers to the parents. That would be next level. I also think that's the liability. What, what's that? <laughs> I, well, I took go out to Marcellus. I take my daughter to my aunt's house out in Marcellus, and we always go trick-or-treating, and there's this uh, there's two families every year. They always have Bud Lights to hand out to the parents who are out with the kids. I mean, that so, is next level. I'd say if there's more than two families that do that in every neighborhood, you've got yourself a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But uh, no, an homage to those people. I mean, you know, tip your cap to the. the they're thinking about the whole the whole ordeal there and uh, looking to hook up the folks as well. I, I like that. So John Mina Perel joins us on the uh, Burdick Toyota guest line. We will eventually get around to the football game, but we have a couple of other topics. And John, uh, right now we're trending seventy five percent to twenty five percent that it is unacceptable for the parents to ask for specific candy while on the doorstep. What say you? You know what, guys, I'm going with totally acceptable because, first of all, if you're out there with your youngsters, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for some Swedish fish or a Kit Kat. Why not? If they don't have it, no harm done. Might take some balls, but you know what? Go for it. Why not? So you're saying you're in the, you got to shoot the puck to score camp. Exactly. I kind of look at the person and say, hey, that's, you got, you got some, you got some cojones. I'm going to give you something for the effort. What what do you say to my theory that his kids had so much candy that if he had just waited 15 minutes to get home, he was going to have his pick of the litter and he was going to get his candy anyway? That's an interesting, uh, complex problem there, Brian. I'll tell you what. (laughs) 
I've been thinking about this for almost 24 hours now. Uh, yeah. I'm down, I'm down the road from MIT. I might have to bring them this scenario and figure out how we handle this. Right. You're right. It, it is good to get that uh, stash of candy when you're home. But I think, that, you know, you guys are trending to ground here. I could see Larry David doing this on a curb your enthusiasm. Oh, I'd watch that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, you know, I think that, um, number one, the rain is a mitigating factor. All bets off. It was a tough night to be out last night. We'd had three beautiful days, and then last night was not one. So credit to the parents and, and for everybody and the kids for being little troopers and going out and seeking the candy. So that's one thing. I really want to drill down, and we'll get off of this, but the specificity of the candy. So I, I just like, wonder, had he words, not seen the hundred grand bars sitting on the top of my basket, was he going to make an ask regardless for yeah, something? Like, <laughs> That's what I don't know. Would he have asked for something, or would he say, "Hey, listen, I don't see that you have one, but I could really go for a hundred grand bar. Is it possible that if I shake this bowl up, that I'll find a hundred grand bar?" Or I want to know how that, far you would have taken. That's it. not that rare. What do you got in your like, fridge? I'm coming into your house. No, you. Uh, Swedish fish John starts off with. I mean, well, you weren't going to find that in my bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this people are chocolate. That up, but these are bowl. these are readily available if you apply yourself. So I'm trying to think if there's some sort of rare candy that that could have been there. Maybe a regional thing you remember from back home, and this family's trying to pass out their candy. I don't know. I had the Costco All bag. Right. It was not a rare situation. One other thing how before. The, how about the chick sticks? Have you guys ever had those? Uh, you're not talking about the. Um, the sugary stick that you reach in for the the powder? No, 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 no. That's a, that's a pixie that's stick. Gum. That's something else. That's yeah. a pixie stick. Okay. Um, I think the Pirates used to snort in 1979. Yeah, there you go. Right. Hey, got them to the World Series. Yes, it did. But no, this is a, uh, a uh, they call it, I don't know why they call it a chick stick. It has coconut inside with like a crispy Butterfinger-like uh, surrounding accoutrement. Mm. How many people have seen it? Okay, well, again, but, if you're going for something unique, obscure like that... Come to may, John's house next year and get may, one of them. That's right. I'm requesting. One other matter of business, uh, meet before we get to this uh, football game for Saturday. What am I reading about arena football? You're uh, heavily involved broadcasting arena football on ESPN, and uh, sounds like a, another kind of impasse for the league. Tough times here, so what's next? You know what? I was absolutely stunned when it came down uh, on uh, the other night. It was just brutal. Uh, what What's next? I, I think the league, the optimistic view is that they're trying to circle the wagons and just have a centralized league, similar to what the Premier Lacrosse League is doing. Will that be successful? I do, I do not know. I will tell you that the Albany market is outstanding, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Shout uh, out to the Firebirds. Yeah, Brian grew up a big uh, Firebirds fan. Back in the 90s, that was legit. It is legit. It still is there. They live for it. We had, you know, there was twelve thousand plus at the uh, Arena Bowl in August. So, I don't know. I think this lawsuit's crushing them. That the uh, some players brought from two thousand nine to two thousand twelve. It's now in Pittsburgh court. Uh, they had good good ideas towards expansion this year. We thought that was going to happen with at least two more teams. I think Ron Jaworski and his group do a great job. Uh, the commissioner ran a boat, Ted Leontis. There's a lot of good people behind this thing for it just to die. So optimistically, Matt, I think it will still survive, but a much different reincarnation. Hmm. Okay, interesting. It's a, a cult kind of thing, people uh, that are into it. it it's you know their little thing, and, and they've really enjoyed it over the years, so I'd love to see it available as, a, as an option for people. And, you know, Certainly families that are in those markets, it's a great day of entertainment, and, and for people that are into that type of football. It certainly has a lot of appeal, and we hope that uh, it's viable. All right, so now on to the football game, and and 
really, when you start to size this one up from a Syracuse perspective, you don't have to look a whole lot further than A.J. Dillon and wonder what kind of terror he can wreak in this situation. And, and how do you feel he comes in to this one Saturday against a Syracuse team that has been struggling here of late? I think he's going to be extremely determined to wipe away the bad effects from their demolition at the hands of Clemson. Uh, I think you're going to see a much different BC effort, probably similar to what you saw against NC State a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to put 429 up on Syracuse like they did to the vaunted Wolfpack rush defense, but you know, Dylan is just phenomenal. You know, Matt. I mean, the kid is just. He was hurt last year. You didn't see the real AJ Dillon. He probably shouldn't have been playing that game at, at, at BC when Syracuse played uh, over a thousand yards already, uh, thirty-seven hundred plus in only three years. Uh, likely will turn pro next year. I don't know anything on that front, but I'm assuming that's going to happen. But just an absolute superb talent that it's kind of hard to not figure that he'll put one fifty plus on the board. Yeah, I would. I mean, it just feels that way going in and. One of the things about it, you know, we've watched Syracuse, so here's their conference schedule. Clemson, okay, everybody loses to Clemson. And then you've got NC State and Pittsburgh are two games where they played poorly, turnovers, sacks. Actually, turnovers weren't that big a deal, but sacks, penalties. And you're thinking they still could have won either of those games because they were right in them to the final play, even not playing well. Then Florida State, they don't even play well. You know, there there was nothing. It was not a competitive game. But you're feeling like against B.C., Something could happen here, except that Boston College doesn't do anything that plays into Syracuse's hands. Except that BC has no sacks this year. You don't turn the football over, you know. And they're, BC no. plays such a conservative, safe kind of style that they don't seem to be susceptible to maybe giving one away. They might be beaten by better teams, like like happened last week, but they don't really give it away. No, they don't. Except the Kansas. one concern. It's a glaring concern. Kansas, yes, was a major concern. And also the fact that your quarterback is extremely inexperienced mm-hmm. and is thrown, doesn't hasn't thrown the ball much because he really hasn't had to, especially against NC State when it was just a runaway train. Last week was just a blowout too, and you know they just did what they can to try to keep it close. But Grossell is the, the X factor. Uh, he's got to be able to throw the ball a little bit tomorrow. I think uh, there's no surprise that Syracuse's defense will be stacked the box against A.J. Dillon and David Bailey. So, of course, Sal can work the play-action game. Hunter Long's a guy to watch, the tight end. Uh, also, Kobe White's a good receiver. Uh, you know, they like to spread the ball around, but he has got to manage the game. He did it against the Wolfpack, but they really need some protection in the throw game. And Steve Adazi has said for the last seven years, really, since he's been here, that he wants to throw the ball, and he's done it in varying degrees of success, but not enough. Uh, Anthony Brown had a, that semblance to his game, and he thought coming in this year they'd be more of a 50-50 balance, but you know they're going to have to figure that out as we move down the stretch if they want to make a bowl. John Mita Perel, our guest, and uh, John Matt alluded to it, Boston College has eight sacks on defense all year. In conference games, Syracuse is giving up eight sacks a game. What what gives from your eyes when it when it comes to that this weekend? Well, that's going to have to be a way that they can scheme, Brian. I think they just don't have the talent that they had. They lost so much to the NFL, including Zach Allen, uh, who was great off the edge the last couple of years. They had Harold Landry, you guys know, was very good now with Tennessee. Uh, so Max Richardson's a terrific linebacker, not known as a blitzer, though. Uh, he's one of the best linebackers in the league, and he's been really solid. But I think they're going to have to figure it out from a schematic standpoint. Bill Sheridan's first-year defense coordinator. He's been in battle this year. They give up 
you know, they're 126 in the nation in total defense. So the numbers are not tying to them, but I think tomorrow you'll see a little bit more of a push because they feel like they can do it against Syracuse's uh, equally embatted off- offensive line. So if they don't do it tomorrow, they're never going to do it. That's why you're talking about two inexperienced quarterbacks, and, and I know that BC's had to make a change due to injury to Anthony Brown, but for Tommy DeVito, everything he does and every time he goes out there is important because he has so little experience and such a short track record that the idea that uh, you know he's still got to go out and demonstrate that he's done it. He, he won a couple of games last year in relief, but to think that start to finish he's led his team to victory, well, that hasn't really happened. Um, you know, not not this year, and not against the Power Five team. So, uh, still opportunities. And is that the way that you guys feel, and you feel it in, in, in your reporting of the team that they're approaching this? That once you get outside of Clemson, every game in this conference is a toss up. And I think Syracuse is trying to look for some to go their way, and, and BC's right there at, at five hundred. Yeah, I think that's totally the case, Matt. I mean, has there ever been a year in the ACC that has been more of a jump ball? outside of Clemson, and I think much like Syracuse, BC wishes they were in the Coastal, because the Coastal is extremely weak, and it has been weak for really the last couple of years. Virginia Tech's down, BC beat them in the opener, it was a tight game, but they weren't the same old Virginia Tech. Uh, Pittsburgh, you never know what you're getting. Uh, Miami's way down, uh, so that's a too bad they're not in those that, that side of the conference, but it is what it is, and it's a matchup game. Steve Adelio says that a lot. The Syracuse is a matchup opponent. Uh, they love the fact that they play Syracuse every year, which is good for the, the rivalry, so to speak. And I expect a close game. I mean, I think even though Syracuse has struggled, I think the problem with BC is clearly can they contain DeVito and can they contain the receivers? I know they're very concerned about Tristan Jackson and Sean Riley. And we'll see if those guys uh, get on track and, and really have that productive game. They both have had the flashes, a matter of uh, protection and, and making those connections to get the job done. Looking forward to it as always there, Meet Safe travels over here, and we'll uh, talk to you in the Dome in the morning, okay? Look forward to it, guys, and sweetest fish for life. Okay. that's How about that going number one? That didn't even come up at all in any of our candy polls or ratings. No. I mean, Swedish fish? That poll we were talking about the other day, there's not one that doesn't have some sort of chocolate component. Most of them have peanut butter. Swedish fish is uh, off the grid, but yeah. good for him. I, I appreciate someone that's uh, got the courage of his convictions to stick to his number one candy. I'm going to come back to our poll in a second. John Mita Perel on the Burdick Toyota guest line. Okay, what if, go back to Bob from last night, the request he made was for plentiful candy that looked like it had been picked over by people. So let's say Mita Perel shows up on your doorstep. He's big into the Swedish fish. You've got your basket out. You've got like 12 unclaimed Swedish fish. And John says, hey, I can take one of those off your hands, or may I have it, or you know, depending on how he phrases it. How are you feeling about that? That might be different, but the way I had arranged the basket for the handing out, that is not a scenario that would have occurred. You weren't trying to bury the 100 grand. No, no, no. I uh, I did not bury. I, I raised to the top the candy we wanted to get rid of first right. out of the bag, and then the rest of it I let play out we, as it may be. We established good and plenty. Worst, what, worst would Halloween candy. Would have never been in my basket. Okay, because you like people better than that, and you're going to do it. But what if, what if it winds up, you're offering it, and what if the guy who comes to your desk, or comes to your doorstep, happens to be the one person on the planet that likes good and plenty, right. and says, hey, can I, can I get a couple of those good and plenties? I might feel a little. Can bit- I get a couple of those vile pills-like licorice bits? 
I'd say it just. Uh, I, I would say, hey, dude, knock yourself out. Take six. I'd. Uh, I think it would have to depress. I'd, I'd have to really feel out the vibe of the asking to feel if there was a real sentiment toward helping me out, or if it was more of a selfish ask. That's not. It's not a question. I, I would. If it's something I have no intention of consuming myself, I don't know anybody that would. You coming for the good? I mean, if I happen still- to wind up with good and plenty's because I bought like a variety pack, and you wanted to come clean out five of them, take them. I'd rather do that than what am I going to do? Throw them in the trash? Well, it's not like yeah. I mean, I gave the guy the thing last night, and I would have eaten that. So I mean, I, I'm sure I'd, I'd hand it out, but it's more how am I feeling about it after the fact? That's the question. Right. And that uh, that's probably a more personal, individual, depending on the situation, experience. Okay. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. This is in the booth. Back in a moment on ESPN Radio. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Welcome you back as we start to bring the show to a close today. Airtime tomorrow, 10 a.m. Then uh, kickoff at noon. We'll be over on uh, TK99. Syracuse basketball opens next week on Wednesday night against Virginia. We'd like to welcome uh, Dave and Utica to the show. Hey, Dave. Hi, boys. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, I think your poll question should read, uh, do you turn away someone older than 14 at your door looking for candy? Well, that would be an entirely different question. Mm. Uh, I, I, there was, I had some borderline cases last night. but you know, The reason why I just refer to that uh, avenue is because uh, the, the, the father should have some jurisdiction watching the kids, so I think he should you know, be deserving some candy. That's that's what I was thinking about. I'll give you that, um, but I think you... Uh, like he's you brought gotta, along his source of candy. I would bring the bar up a little higher than 14. Well, that's the only reason. Cause High school? That's what yeah. I did. So. Okay. That's your, that's your thing. <laughs> How old are you? Okay. Get out. To be show, honest with you. Bring your birth certificate. Uh, I like having a policy. We, can we transition quick over sure. to uh, football and basketball? Of uh, Now, let me ask you this. Um, when, do, when do we determine whether a team is out there just to not be embarrassed instead of winning. Now, that, this, this, this is what I see with this team. Um, the only reason why, you know, it's funny. I've been watching this team from afar, and at first I said, boy, this team looks like the 89 team. You know, Shar was that quarterback, great receivers, great defense, good bunch of running backs, and just an experienced quarterback play. But after the season went on, I said, no, 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 because that, that team in 89 had more fight. And this team, I'm, I'm looking, it just seems like they're out there just not being embarrassed. I don't get that sense. Um, no? I don't know. I think there's ways that you mitigate. I mean, there's one game in particular that I can think of where they went into the game to mitigate disaster. Okay? that right. was Go ahead. That was, and Brian may recall, that was the road game against Saquon Barkley in Penn State. Um, okay, I was thinking of the right. first Maroon game at Penn State. That's what. It, yeah. Well, that wasn't Saquon. That's way before them. But okay. that was. It was a good anyway, Penn State team, and they like, weren't going to win. Yeah, he's and like, they got right. the game over as fast as possible. Right, we're going to go. We're going to have long possessions. We're going to keep them off the field. We can't compete with them, but we're not going to have fifty points put up on us. That that's right. the w- one game to me that comes to mind. Okay, uh, okay, I don't think that's happening. I think there's a you're on the right track of something that's you know a little harder to to see, but but your observations are valid. 
Right, but but it's just so frustrating. I, I look at this receiving core. It's a good receiving core. The ball's not getting to him. Yeah, I don't think it's for a lack of trying. No, I know. I understand. Uh, can I just uh, one quick thing with basketball? Yep. Uh, I'm very optimistic with his team. Um, basically, you know, it's funny. I, I look at Bayheim and I always say, you know, what was the most frustrating loss he ever had? And everyone, you know, says the Indiana game. Uh, in 87. And I, I look back at that uh, Louis Bowie, uh, I think it was the second round against Wichita State in 80. That was their senior year. And I, I always felt that, you know, Beheim always wanted to, like, um, compose a team with a high-low offense. Yeah. I, was there a question there? I lost you there, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I was just getting at I was just just going into this team. I, I really think, you know, the ball is going to be spaced out uh, yeah. real well this year. Um, and I, I think, he, you know, if, if we can get some scoring in the middle uh, with a center play, and I always, I always saw Dolce at the at the top yep. at the at the key. Yeah, we get we get where you go. We got to uh, wrap it here quickly, though, Dave. And I I'm totally with you. I think if Marek Dolajai is able to provide that, you have it. And the biggest reason is not because of his shot; it's because he can pass from there. If he makes a couple of 12 footers or 15 footers, fantastic. But he is maybe the best passer on the team. Right. And uh, yep, so good stuff, Dave. Call back. Next time, call earlier in the show, and we'll be able to work in. We won't have uh, all the candy nonsense. But eat all the candy, give it all away. More candy for everybody is a better day. See you tomorrow on the Dome, everybody.